0: Hi, this is Ann Robertson, and for one more week, I'm the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. Starting on the 17th of April, I will be the new executive director of the Massachusetts Bible Society. Many of you know that already. Uh, So my sermon podcasts will change a little bit. I'm going to, once I'm not preaching at the United Methodist Church of Westford anymore. I'm going to just personally record some of the sermons that I have that have never been recorded. I'm still going to be speaking a lot of Sundays. Um, If you're in Massachusetts, be sure to give me a call and have me come to your church in my new role as the director of the Bible Society. I'll be preaching on a lot of Sundays in different churches of all kinds of denominations and Catholic churches across the state and when there's an opportunity to record those sermons as i give them i will be podcasting those as well although i don't know from church to church what they will have available but i do plan to continue the podcast with just some home recordings of sermons when there aren't other new sermons to be put up that were actually preached in churches so um So that's the story. This is the sermon from Palm Sunday, from yesterday, April 1st. Um, None of this is an April Fool's joke. (laughs) I talked a little bit about Palm Sunday, but the majority of it was talking about Jesus clearing the temple. And it's the passage from Mark. You'll hear the Gospel reading there, but it's the description from Mark, uh, along with the whip from the Gospel of John's version of that Please remain standing for the reading of the Gospel, which comes from the Gospel of Mark in the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 15. This is what immediately follows the procession with the hosannas and all of that on Palm Sunday. Then they came to Jerusalem and Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? You just heard that in Isaiah. But you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When most of us think of Jesus, a number of different pictures come into our minds. We might think of Jesus blessing little children, washing the feet of the disciples, healing the sick, We might remember him walking on water and stilling the storm or being led off to a cruel death without a word. A lot of people who remember those stories, as well as a lot of others, end up wondering, how come the people turned on him and killed him? He's such a nice guy. Why would you do that to Jesus? And Palm Sunday often seems the most baffling of all. If all the lovely hosannas and palms and Jesus riding into town on a peace-loving donkey make you wonder how they could crucify him by the end of the week. That's when the next part of the chapter that I just read comes into play. Jesus enters the temple, very next thing. Some gospels have it the next day, some right after. And in a violent rage... He turns over the tables. He lets birds loose. He dumps money boxes on the floor. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus even made a whip for that purpose out of cords. Kind of Indiana Jones meets the Gospels. What on earth made Jesus so mad? You know, I've been mad, but I've yet to take a whip and trash Walmart. (laughs) What, What was bugging him? Being a Jew in Jesus' day was an expensive proposition. First, there was the temple tax, which was required of every Jew every year at Passover. That's not in place of your offerings, that's another thing. This is a required tax. The tax was the equivalent of two days wages. But bringing your money wasn't enough. The kicker was that the tax had to be paid not in the usual currency, but in temple currency. The temple had its own money and another entire day's wage was charged to convert your money into the temple money. Thus, the money changers that are there in the temple. But the issue didn't stop there. Worshippers at the temple, of course, needed to bring a sacrifice. And the sacrifice needed to be without blemish, perfect. If your animal had any defect at all, then it wasn't acceptable. And there were temple workers who were there to decide whether your animal was, in fact, without blemish. And if the one you brought was found to be defective, guess what? The temple just happened to have some certified perfect ones there for sale. Now, you can guess how many people got through with a perfect animal. Not a whole lot. When instructions had been given in scripture about sacrifices, mercy was shown in the law to the poor. Those of means were required to bring a sheep or a goat or an ox, a substantial sacrifice that was currency in those days. But the poor were allowed to bring much less, just a pair of doves, and still be acceptable. When Jesus is born, his family shows at the temple to make a sacrifice, and they bring doves which is one of the signs we have that Jesus grew up in a poor family. The gospel accounts of the rampage in the temple make a point of mentioning that Jesus went after specifically the sellers of doves. Why? A pair of doves could be bought outside the temple gates for about one day's wage. But somehow those from the outside were never quite perfect enough for the temple. So the poor lost what they had spent on the doves on the outside and were forced to purchase doves from inside the temple. How much were those doves? About 21 days' wages. And, of course, they couldn't buy the doves with their own money. It had to be converted into temple money for another day's wage. Almost a month's wages for the poor to bring a sacrifice to the temple. On almost every page of the Hebrew scriptures, you can hear God's voice insisting on justice and caring for the poor. The widows, the orphans, the disadvantaged. The prophets tell us that the terrible destruction that was visited on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah came about about precisely because they had neglected justice and care for the widows and for the orphans. And here it was again, but this time within the very house of God. And it pushed Jesus over the edge. But that was not all that Jesus took issue with. The place where all of this money changing and selling of perfect animals was taking place was in a part of the temple precinct known as the Court of the Gentiles. While the temple proper was reserved only for Jewish males, there were two other places that were set apart on the temple grounds for worship, the court of the women and then the outermost court, the court of the Gentiles. Way back when God had called Abraham to be the father of a nation, God's intent was that the nation of Abraham's descendants should be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Read it in Genesis 12. That intention was embodied by making a place on the temple grounds for Gentiles to come and pray. It was in this area, the court of the Gentiles, that was now filled with agents of dishonesty, greed, and injustice, the money changers and those who sold those certified perfect sacrifices. Listen to what Jesus says when he's finished knocking everything over. He says, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? but you have made it a den of thieves. As I mentioned as I read it, that's a quote from Isaiah 56 that we heard Sandy read for us. In clearing the temple, Jesus is making a statement about the two things that are closest to his heart and to the heart of God. God's desire to be in loving relationship with all people and to demand that God's people live in ways that proclaim God's love and God's justice make no mistake God cares about those issues and whether it's God raining down fire on cities that ignore it or Jesus making whips and disrupting a dishonest marketplace we can expect that God's patience with our greed and injustice will last only so long so what what does that have to do with us today everything I think In clearing the temple, Jesus is making a critical statement about the purpose of the house of God and the calling of God's people. We have a financial audit of the church every year. I think it might be helpful to have a ministry audit each year as well, and a cough drop audit. (laughs) Are we as a church faithfully carrying out God's mission? Does the United Methodist Church of Westford care about the things that God cares about? This action of Jesus invites us to ask ourselves if our church truly has room for all people, or do we have subtle ways of crowding out some of God's children? One way that we try to make our worship more accessible to all is by providing a pretty detailed bulletin, the thing you get when you come in. We try not to assume that people coming in know the Lord's Prayer, and so we print it all out for those who may not be familiar with it. We don't assume that they know you're going to stand now or sit now, and we put little asterisks to indicate when you stand and when you sit so people can follow it along. But just as I was thinking we're doing pretty well, I thought, oh, what if you couldn't read? What if you didn't know how, if you were illiterate, what if you were blind? The same bulletin that provides a key to some could very well block the way for others. I worked for a number of years as a literacy volunteer before going into ministry, and my first student was a woman in her 50s. And one of the great sorrows of her life was that she couldn't fully participate in church because she couldn't sing the hymns because she couldn't read and she couldn't read the hymns, the words in the hymnal. So I decided, well, we can use the hymns from the words for uh, the words for the hymns in our lessons. And she brought me a hymnal from her church for us to use. We gave up almost as soon as we started. If you look at those things, almost every word has a little hyphen in the middle or maybe two and it's divided between this line and that line and you have to read past the music and down here. It was not gonna happen. And I finally said, we're gonna work on memorizing the words to some of the the ones that are used a little bit more. There was no way she was gonna learn to read that. Is there room for everyone? Is there room for those whose language might reflect the roughness of their lives? Is there room for those whose musical tastes might be different from ours? Is there room for those who give voice to their prayers during the silences or who engage their whole body when they pray and when they worship? Is there room in your pew for the man who hasn't bathed or the parent with very, very active children? why is there so very little ethnic diversity here? We need to be conscious all the time that our calling is to be in ministry to those outside the church, to work not in the church but in the world for justice, and to proclaim the God of love to those who've never heard the good news. Inside the church is where we make and equip and train disciples of Jesus Christ, not so we can sit around in the church and talk about how great it is to be a disciple, but so that we can go out into the world and do the job of a disciple to make the place where we live a little more like heaven and a little less like hell. I don't mean to imply that we're not doing God's will at all, just that we should always be looking for ways that we can do it better and for ways that we might be getting lazy and letting our priorities as a church slide. The priests in the temple didn't decide from the outset that they were going to crowd the Gentiles out of a place to pray or that they would set up dishonest and unjust systems for conducting temple business. But sin worked its way in as it does like a cancer, starting with small things that could hardly be noticed and growing Because nobody was paying attention and it was somebody's business, but not my business to watch. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. That desire of God has not changed. This has got to be the place where anyone and everyone can come and meet God. Even if they're in your pew if we have doors that keep some from entering, if we have space that's so full of our own business that there's no room for the business of God, if we have systems in place that reflect anything else other than the justice and mercy of God, we can expect that the gentle shepherd will come as a, at us as he would at a wolf going after his sheep with a whip and fury and the righteous indignation of God. Now, whether this passage is comforting or threatening depends largely on where we're coming from. For those who are poor, for those who are treated unjustly, for you who always seem to have doors slammed in your faces, this story makes you want to get up and dance. God cares about what happens to you and is so outraged at the way you were treated that he will storm the temple itself and take on anybody and everybody there to fight for you. Jesus is not the guy who's going to sit idly by and say, they're there. They shouldn't have done that, but you'll have to forgive them, even as they continue to take the food from your cupboards with taxes and try to shut you out from the presence of God. Jesus is the champion of the poor and the outcast. But to those of us who have the privilege and the power and the keys to the doors, the passage comes as a warning. Is our temple cleansed? Are there ways that we've taken over the court of the Gentiles with our own business? Will we still shout Hosanna after Jesus has visited our temple with his whip? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up ye everlasting doors, that the King of Glory may come in. He's entering our city today. What will he find here? Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at nine thirty AM on Sunday mornings at ten Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at an anne Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings. <music>